Well, good morning again. I'm so glad you're here. Um, as I said in the beginning, we started a series last week called Established. And what does it mean to get those roots running deep in our faith? It seems like so often that we kind of face our faith and we look at our faith, it's kind of, it becomes very shallow for us, that it's maybe just going to church or maybe just doing something or going on a mission trip and doing that stuff. But it's so much more. You know, that, that's one of the reasons we, four and a half years ago, is we started this church, because we just believe God really wants more. He wants more for us. He wants more from us. And there's so much that we miss experiencing in our faith when we're not rooted deep and we're not logged in down there. And so last week, we just talked about knowing God. That, that That's the beginning of it, to be established, just knowing who he is, knowing um, what's going on and everything, and that relationship he wants with us. Um, not, not a set of rules, but a relationship. It's so much different. You know, I have so many friends that have grown up in church. I grew up in church and everything that we have always just sat there and said, well, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to go to church. I got to give money, <clears throat> go on a mission trip, go to camp, do this, do that, run a VBS. Do, and there's this list, and it's so much more than that. It, it's not just a list of rules, a list of things that we want to do. It's this relationship that the creator of everything literally wants to hang out with you and me. That's why we were made. And so moving on from that, I want to talk this morning about hearing from God, being able to hear his voice, being able to hear and understand that God is still speaking us today as much as he's ever spoke to anybody in the past and maybe even better today. And I'm going to go into that and explain a little more. But if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. And as I said at the very beginning, church, man, I believe on my heart these are the only important words you'll hear this morning. Nothing that I have to say makes any difference. These are the words that pierce the heart, that change lives, that do all that stuff. These are the words that when all of this is gone will still remain, Jesus said. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain. And so I am humbled every week by the chance of just getting up, and I'm terrified, by the way, of every chance I get to get up and speak these words because they're so powerful. And so out of respect for that and out of, authority, and out of the uh, acknowledgement of the authority of these words, I'm just going to ask you if you'll stand with me. As this morning we read in John chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 22. It says, Then the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him, surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Verse 25, I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. you pray with me? God, I just thank you this morning. For the opportunity, once again, just to stand, to gather in your name with your people. God, I thank you that, God, we don't have to beg you to come. That we don't have to beseech you to be here, God. That you were here, your spirit, your presence was here long before any of us woke up this morning. You were waiting for us. God, you knew every person that would be here this morning. God, you know exactly what needs to be said. You know exactly what needs to be done. And so, Father, we just ask, get us out of your way. Father, would you just move in our midst this morning? God, would it be about you, not some video or some songs or some preacher, God, but would it be you that overwhelms us this morning? 
God, may we be different because we were in your presence today. Father, I pray and I ask for ears to hear, for hearts to respond, God, and the courage to live it outside these walls, Father. Let us be the church wherever we walk, wherever we are. So, God, whatever needs to happen, let it happen. You have your way this morning, Father. And may it all happen in such a way that you're the only one that gets credit and you're the only one that gets glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this, this whole thing about God speaking to us and, and God talking to us and, and, and us hearing from him, I, I think a lot of times we get the idea that that's a Bible thing, you know? I have no doubt that if you walk around this afternoon and a bush catches on fire and you hear a voice from that and it's like, I am God, you're going to freak out. <laughs> you're going to be like, oh, wow, and stuff. That's how it happened in the Old Testament. But I think we've gotten trapped in the idea that God spoke back then and in the Bible, but does he really talk now? Does he really talk the same way? And I actually think God talks better now and clearer now, and we'll get into that, than, than he ever did all through Scripture. See, the problem is, is I think the problem is, is that um, God is still speaking today as much as he ever did. We're just not tuned into it. I mean, think about it. You have a cell phone. Everyone has a cell phone today. There are conversations flying through the air all around us. There are television shows. There are images flying through the air all around us. The problem is, is we just have to be tuned into them to receive them. And I think it's the same with God. We just have to tune in. Back up a little bit in John 10. Starting at verse 10, listen, this is what Jesus says, this whole conversation. By the way, this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. You want to really get into something deep. What, what I love about the Bible is if you want to know what Jesus did, you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you want to look at what Jesus, who he was and who he is, you look at John. Because John gets deep with it. In fact, he got so deep he had to write three more books just to explain it again <laughs> and everything. But in John chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 10, look at what Jesus says. He explains why he's here and all this stuff and everything. But in verse 10, he says, A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come so that may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own, and my own know me. It's this whole idea that we are tuned in, that we get an understanding, that we know that Jesus came for one reason, one reason only. That's to give us life. He says it very, very clearly, which means to me that without Jesus, we're dead. How many of you like zombie shows? That's us. We are the walking dead, mm, brains, all that stuff. That's us outside of Jesus because we were once created to be fully alive and fully connected to God, and we chose to walk away from that. And Jesus says, no, I've come. I've come that you can have life. And my sheep know me, and they understand me, and they hear my voice because there's another group, there's another set of enemies out there that's coming only for one thing, to steal, kill, and destroy. There are so many voices in our world today. There are so many things begging for our attention, trying to get at us. Trying to distract us, trying to say, this is the way, that's the way, and all these things. And so it gets confusing, but those voices outside of God's voice is one thing and one thing only. Steal, kill, destroy. That's it. 
And so how important it is for us to understand, to be able to discern God's voice over every other voice. Because one thing I love about God, God is not a bully. God is not that loud, belligerent person in the corner saying, listen to me, talk to me, I'm here, I'm the center of attention. I used to love people like that. I'd annoy them because I'd start circling around those people, and they're like, what are you doing? It says, I'm stuck in your gravitational pull because obviously the universe revolves around you. God is not that person. Even though the universe does revolve around God, if God didn't think about us, we would cease to exist. God spoke everything to existence, but he never forces himself on us. Can I tell you, usually God is not the loudest one in the room. And so how important is it for us to discern and to be able to start understanding that we need to be able to discern God's voice? And to do that, to tune in, we have to know who Jesus is. My Bible says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. That everything we need to know about God, everything we need to know about living for him, about being in a relationship, and we just look at Jesus. He modeled it perfectly. And so to get tuned in, to start understanding him, we have to know who Jesus is. It starts there. I love it. Henry Blackaby, um, fantastic author, fantastic guy. He put together a whole thing called Experiencing God. He said this, if you have trouble hearing God speak, you're in trouble at the very heart of your Christian experience. I believe that with all my heart. If you cannot, if you're saying, man, I have no idea how to hear God in my life, you are going to struggle in your faith. You are going to struggle, and it is going to be difficult for you. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about tuning in. How do we tune in? Turn back to John 10, 25 through 30. Listen to this again. They're all harassing Jesus. They're saying, I love this. They're looking at him and saying, if you're the Messiah, tell us. If you're the Messiah, tell us. There's a whole group of belief system out there right now. It says Jesus never claimed to be Messiah, never claimed to be God. I did tell you, and you don't believe. He said it over and over and over again. Anybody that ever tells you Jesus, he was just a nice guy, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's exactly who he said he was. That's it. And Jesus, without any question over and over claim this is i am god in flesh and so they're harassing him they're asking him all the jewish leaders and so he looks at him verse 25 i did tell you and you don't believe the works i do in my father's name testify about me look what i've done look what i've said but you don't believe because you are not my sheep my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Isn't that good news today? Amen. Isn't that amazing news that if you have made a decision, you have made that choice, that I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to follow him, that there is nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. You are perfectly, completely loved. You are perfectly and completely restored right then, and nobody can take that from you. That's why I'm always telling you guys, listen, you don't have to go to Bible college and seminary and cemetery and all this other thing and learn the Greek and learn, the, and learn, and learn all this great stuff in Hebrew. Hebrew scares me to death because, you know, they go opposite. I mean, what? I'm like, oh, no, no, I'll stick with Greek. And there are programs that will tell me how it says. That's what that sounds like. It's crazy. You don't have to do all that. All you have to do is say, man, God saved me. I'm a great sinner. Jesus is a great Savior. Nobody can deny that with you. 
Nobody can argue with that, what God has done. Isn't that great news? That nothing else can happen. But there's a couple of things. There are three things in this passage that I really want you to hear and that I want you to know. The very first thing is God wants us to know his voice. God wants you to hear his voice. God wants you to be able to discern and hear from God wants you to be able to hear and understand that he's speaking. He wants you to hear him say, I love you. He wants to hear you hear him say, I have purpose. I have meaning for your life. He wants you to hear his voice. God is not a God that sits there and go, hey, you got saved. Great. Good luck. (laughs) I think so many times we feel like God plays hide and seek with us. That he's not around, he's not there, and he so desperately wants you to know his voice. It's all about tuning in. It's all about getting in to that. And so how do we do that? There's five different ways that God generally speaks to us today. I'm going to hit these. Listen, and God can speak any way through anything at any time. Think about it. In the Bible, how many times you ever see there's the passage in Daniel where a hand shows up and starts writing on the wall. That's how we get that saying, the writing is on the wall. We get it from scripture. <laughs> and he speaks. He used a donkey one time to speak, saying, you're messing up. It ain't going to work. God can use anything and everything. And, and honestly, I think sometimes we're waiting for something like that. We're waiting for a burning bush or we're waiting for a donkey, you know, to go and take my dog for a walk and turns around like, you need Jesus. Whoa, <laughs> you know, it's going to freak you out a little bit. We're waiting for that, but God does speak clearly to us today. And so how does he do it? The first place is the Bible. And that's why I say that I believe God speaks clearer to us than today than any other group of followers. Because you've got to understand, we have the complete word of God. Nothing taken away, nothing needs to be added. Every single thing you and I need to know about God about how to follow him, how to live for him, how to be obedient. All that stuff is in here. Does it answer every question? No. There are some things like this does not tell me where to go to college. <laughs> this doesn't actually say the name of the person I'm supposed to marry. I looked. <laughs> I was like, am I supposed to? Is Sherry in the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's not. Hmm. Well, I'm glad I didn't believe that. It's been 30 years. It's not going to, but it will tell you everything you need to know to live. Listen, there are some things we are not going to know about God. And to me, that's cool. That's amazing. Because if I know everything there is to know about God, let me tell you, I know how smart I am. I know how intellectual I am. That is a very teeny tiny God. (laughs) I'm going to spend the rest of eternity learning about God, and it's not enough time. But everything we need to know, it's, it's right here. This is the primary way that God speaks to us. If you feel like God is leading you somewhere, God's telling you something, this is how you check. That means you've got to get into it. You've got to fall in love with these words. That's why I stand up here and say there are no more important words than these words. Because this is how you check everything that you feel like God is telling you to do. If it doesn't align with this, then it's not of him. God is not a God of confusion. Some people say that. Well, he said this and he said that. No. There is no confusion in this book. There are people like, well, one person said that Solomon had 3,000 horses. In the other book, it said he had 2,950. It can't be true. 
maybe a different guy counted. <laughs> but does that change the fact that God created, loved us, saved us, sent his son to die for us? Does that change that story at all? No. This is the authority. This is the ultimate authority. It's the primary way, and it's not magic. See, I think that's what we love, magic. We want just like that instantaneous, like, oh, angel singing, like, oh, you're the one I'm going to marry. This is where I'm supposed to work. Oh, we hear the angels fluttering around like, this must be it. It's not magic. It's about trust. What does he say? He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me without question. They just trust. Even if I don't understand, doesn't mean that God doesn't. Most of the time, I don't understand. And so all I can do is trust. Faith, it happens. In fact, Timothy tells us, or Paul tells us in 2 Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. You know how that word inspired is? It literally means that God breathed the words into it. It's the exact same phrase that we use in Genesis where it says God looked at man, created man, and he breathed life into him. These are living words, and it is the most important thing. It is how we do it all. It's not magic. It's trust. And so that's the first way. The next way is authority. God gives people authority over us. God puts people in authority that we should listen to. Sometimes it's a pastor. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's the government. By the way, God ordains all government. So if you're, like, worried about, like, who's going to run and, oh, we're going to you vote your conscience, you vote the way you do, you be a good citizen, but you trust God that he's in control. As soon as we're saying everything's going crazy and we're, it's all out of control, we're saying, God, you're not big enough to handle this. God places people in authority over our parents. We should listen. In fact, the Bible, it's the only, it's the only command in the Bible that comes with a promise. I hated that as a kid. <laughs> but it's true. Honor your mother and father so it will go well for you. There's authority, and I'm going to tell you something. Look at this. Everyone that has kids is like, uh-huh. Yeah. I'll get to you, Mom and Dad, too. It also says, you know, to, like, raise, don't cause your kids to be all riled up and messed up and everything. Listen, if you want your kids to honor you, then be an honorable person. That's your job, Mom and Dad. Give them something to honor. But they do. It gives us authority. Our bosses, our spouses... I know some of the guys are sitting there go, like, a favorite verse of a guy in Baptist church is like, wives, submit to your husbands. <laughs> We're like, yeah, uh-huh. You know what it says right before that? Submit to one another. By the way, when I counsel and I, like, I preach a sermon or I'm doing a wedding and stuff, I always talk about that. Wives, you're supposed to submit to husbands. God has placed an authority over you and everything. Husbands, you're supposed to love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Jesus do for the church? He was crucified. Our men need to start being men. Which means that, you know what? I'm willing to go through the worst and most awful thing for my wife or for my kids, and that's how I will lead them. That's the authority given to them. And so there's that authority that we do. Ultimately, God is the authority. God is the authority. And so we go and we place ourselves under authority. And I just, a little key note here. If you cannot be under authority, if you refuse to be under any authority, then you should never, ever be in authority. Because let me tell you something. I'm only a good husband because I follow God and I love Jesus more than my kids and more than my wife. I'm only a good pastor 
with how much that I place myself under the authority of God and his word. I'm only a good person under the authority of what he has done for me. If you refuse to be in authority, and I know that's a big deal, because especially in our culture, man, we teach you like, man, you are your own boss. Raise yourself up by your bootstraps. You, you're the person in charge. Listen, I'm not in charge of nothing in my house. My dad, my dad always told me, he said, son, you are the head of your house. Your wife is the neck that turns that head. I understand. Amen. Listen, y'all want to pray and feel for me? All women in my house. Do you think I, I had to interview? I just I started a new position at Universal where I'm training everyone. They're like, hey, what happens if you disagree with one of the other trainers and you don't get your way? I'm like, dude, I, I've had a house full of women my entire adult life. I've never gotten my way. <laughs> we have to be willing to be placed under authority. We have to be willing to listen who God places over us. And again, how do we make sure they're right? It's right here. Listen, don't ever take my word for anything. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm right. Challenge me. Look it up yourself. Look it up yourself. So how else are we going to do this? God also speaks through godly others. Godly is the key word here. (laughs) It's about us being willing to go talk to people a little bit farther down the road that may have a different opinion, that may have a little bit more experience, but placing ourselves with people that have wisdom Listening to those people that have maybe gone through it before. Because you know what we do? It's so easy to find people that agree with us, isn't it? When you want to do something and you want to make sure that something's happening, we will go and try to find people like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We love that. That may not be godly wisdom. That may just be justification. You want to look for godly people to speak into. This is why the church is so important. This is why God says for us to come and congregate together, to be together. Don't forsake the joining of ourselves. Because we have people that have lived all walks of life, all different things that can speak into us. And God will use other people to speak into you. Just make sure you're looking for godly people. You want to know, look look for someone that's humble. A godly person understands that they're not God. That they walk in humility. That they esteem others. And another person will care more about your future than your feelings. I said we will justify our decisions by getting someone to say, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. I used to, I was a youth pastor 30 years. I loved doing that. But it was always fun to me. It's like, well, I asked all my friends if they thought maybe I should like go out and drink. And they said, yeah, sure. So I thought it was okay. It was cool. They all said, yeah. I'm like, dude, they're your same age. They're idiots too. <laughs> Ask somebody that's been there. Surround yourself with godly people that will speak into. In fact, that's what's in Proverbs. Proverbs 3.20 says, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. And can I tell you something? Age doesn't make you wise. I've had that before. Someone says, I'm your elder and I know everything. I'm like, well, it doesn't match up to here, so apparently not. Obedience, maturity makes you wise. I've met some 18-year-olds that are wiser than any 70-year-old I've ever met because they've grown in that. So surround yourself with godly people. Walk with the wise. Sit in there and talk to them. So we've got the Bible. We've got authority. God speaks through godly people. God also speaks through a still, small voice. It's 
it's one of my favorite stories. You know the story, have you heard it? You know, Elijah, he's all, he's just done an amazing job. He's defeated the, the priest of Baal, like hundreds of thousands of people called fire down. It was amazing. And then one little queen with a bad attitude says, I'm going to kill him. And once he does, he goes, runs away and hides like, I'm in trouble. You just called fire down on a mountain and you're scared. He goes, runs away, and he's depressed, and he sits in a cave finally, and God restores him. And then it says that God wants to talk to him. He's like, stand out there. And it says, like, a wind came and ripped the mountains apart, but God wasn't in it. A fire came, and God wasn't in there. An earthquake came, and God wasn't in there. And then everything got quiet, and it says, and all of a sudden I heard a still, quiet voice. And that was God. I'm going to say this again. God's voice is not always the loudest in the room. It doesn't need to be. God doesn't need to bring attention to himself. He already deserves all the glory, all the praise. He doesn't have to show how big and bad he is because he is the biggest. He is the baddest. He is the ultimate. And he doesn't need us to believe that. It's still the same. I love when my atheist friends come out and say, well, I don't believe in God, so therefore he doesn't exist. I'm like, okay, I no longer believe in you. Poof. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. You're still here. (laughs) I guess that doesn't matter. Our God is bigger than all that. Think about it. Have you ever been someplace and you just felt something, a name pops in your head? And you feel like, man, I should, I'm supposed to pray that person. Or, man, I'm supposed to talk to that little nudge. Have you ever been someplace and all of a sudden you're like, I feel like I should just go in here. That little nudge, that's that still quiet voice. But I'm going to warn you with that little voice, test it. Again. If it doesn't match up here, if that little voice is like, hey, you should go in there and like get bombed. <laughs> I don't think that's God. <laughs> Test it. But listen, God speaks in that little voice. Because the truth is, is we love to rationalize our choices, don't we? Listen, we are better at lying at ourselves, lying to ourselves than anybody else we ever lie to. My Bible says the heart is deceitful. We are great. At, well, it's okay if I fudge on my taxes. It's, I mean, they got enough money already, right? Ooh, she gave me the wrong change. She gave me too much. Blessing, <laughs> you know? Test it. Don't lie to yourself. These words will always be true. In any circumstance, they're still as relevant today as they were 2,000 years ago. They don't change. But listen for that still, small voice. And then finally, the last way that God really talks to us is in circumstances. God puts us in situations where we learn and we understand and we grow and stuff. But here's the problem. Have you ever heard the story, God opens the door, God closes the door? You ever heard that? The problem with that is we start thinking that if it's, if it's easy, then it must be from God. If it's easy, then God has opened a door and I'm going to walk right through and it's going to be all thing. But when it's hard and it's difficult and it takes struggle, it's like, well, God must be closing the door. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Most of the things that God is going to call you and me to do are not easy. They are uncomfortable. They are going to stretch us. They're going to put us in a place where we don't always like to be where we're not familiar with, because then it takes faith. See, when it's easy, who gets the credit? Me. When it's hard, God is the only one that gets credit. 
See, I think we use that and we've taken that phrase, open door, closed door, God opens door, closed door. We've taken that to become lazy. We've taken that to become disobedient. The sign of our faith and the growth in our life and where we are with Jesus is always how obedient we are. That's always through scripture. Jesus said, you know what I've told you to do, but you don't do what I say. Isn't that what he said to them? He's like, but you don't believe because you're not my sheep. The works that I do in my father's name, they testify about me. I'm showing you, but you don't believe because you're not my sheep. Obedience is always the gauge of where our faith lies. I was at a conference this past week at a little staff retreat talking to some people and and, and figuring out some things. And we were talking about this idea that we have forever in our church have said, you need to go and love people and go tell them about Jesus. You need to go tell them about Jesus. You need to go tell them about Jesus. You need to go tell them about Jesus. And that's awesome. We should be going telling people about Jesus. But what it's become is something that I do that so that God, <clears throat> maybe God will love me more then. I think what we need to start talking about is that God already loves us perfectly. See, because how, why do I love God? Does anybody know? Shout out. Why do I love God? Because he loved me first. If we get that and we understand the depth and the width and the height and all of that of how much God loves us, then you know what? I'm going to love people because God loves people. I'm going to tell people about Jesus because I love God and he loves me. If we focus on this in church, I think everything else will flow out of it. It's not just about things that I do. And so it's all that we are called to be obedient to this stuff. But it's going to be hard sometimes, guys. I just want to give you a warning. In Galatians, Paul writes this. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. God already knows your motivation. And if you are looking for the easy way, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to grow. You're going to get frustrated. Because most of the thing God asks us to do is hard. Listen, Jesus never promised safety. He never promised security in life and jobs and friends and all this stuff. He said, this world, you're going to have trouble. It's going to be hard. We are going against the stream of culture. And every day, those floodwaters are opening. And it's coming stronger. The current's growing stronger and stronger. But praise you, God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can withstand anything this world brings because it's not about me. And if it's hard, well, praise God, then, God, you get even more glory. My prayer for four and a half years, I pray crazy prayers. My wife gets always like, stop praying that stuff. Because I pray stuff like, God, I want to know the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. I want to know both. God, I want things to happen in such a way that the only one, only possible way to get credit is you. That's what I want in life. And that's hard. That's hard. But you get more glory. You are more known because that's what we are supposed to do. And so, yes, these are the way that God talks to us through his Bible, through through godly people through authority through that still small voice through our circumstance these are all the ways that god goes through so let's let's get back to our three things <laughs> that i want you to know in that scripture Let, let's get back to the very first one he wants you to know his voice so how do you get to know his voice you start spending time with the shepherd 
Isn't that beautiful? I love the picture. I had Sherry read in the beginning, I am the shepherd. My sheep know my voice. They follow me. I call them by name and they follow me. And then again, here in this passage, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. It's this beautiful picture. Our problem is we have a very Western view of shepherding. I think when we think of shepherding, we get this view of dogs and horses, and they're like barking and huddling, trying to get all the sheep to go in one direction. By the way, sheep are dumb. <laughs> you know? There's a reason God calls us sheep. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, there's a cliff. Let's see. Woo! <laughs> you know? They just roam everywhere. We lived in Sicily for three and a half years, and we had geep, goats and sheep mixed and stuff, and they were smelling stuff. They would just walk all over the road, and you would see that shepherd and their dogs barking like, get them off the road, get them over here, get them everywhere. And by the way, there, if you hit a sheep, you had to pay for like the next six generations of sheep. That's why they put them on the road all the time, because they're like, well, I'm going to get some money. <laughs> they knew that. That's a Western view. You know how they shepherd in the Middle East, and they still do it today? Every time a baby lamb is born, you know what they do? They take it. And they put it on their shoulders. And for days or even weeks, they sit there and they just talk to it the entire time. You go to the Middle East, you're not going to see dogs and horses wrangling sheep. You're going to see a shepherd out in front of his flock going, hey, let's go. And they follow. And you know why? Because they know his voice because they have spent time with the shepherd. How on earth do we expect to be followers of Jesus if we spend no time with him? How in the world do we expect to know his voice if we never spend time with him. Sunday doesn't count only. It's a daily thing. We have to spend time with him. We have to know that voice. We get into his word. We hear it through other people. We are spending time with the shepherd. And as we do that every day, we're going to be able to discern that voice more and more. And finally, the third thing out of this passage is if you start doing the general things, again, obedience, you start doing the things that you're supposed to do on a daily basis, you're going to know the specific things when the big stuff comes up. If you are spending daily time with God, if you start doing that daily stuff, start practicing those disciplines, and you're starting to hear his voice when everything is fine, when the big stuff comes, when you're asking those hard questions, God, what should I do for a career? What should, who should I marry? Where should I live? God, I need to discern your voice. What is your plan and what, what works best for your kingdom? You start doing the little daily things, the little things, the big things will come naturally. Do we understand that? Let me ask you, do you think it's God's will, God's plan for you to go to church? If you don't, then tear out the New Testament because all of it is about the church and about us being a part of the church, the local body. Not only the universal church, but I'm going to tell you, all those letters Paul wrote were to local bodies. God calls us to be part of a local body to go to church. You think God has will, God's plan is to pray, to talk to him? We're going to talk about that next week, about talking with God and prayer and what that all looks like. But it's part of that. Praying, do you think it's part of God's plan to serve, to give of ourselves? Yes, when we do those little things and we do them on a daily stuff and we do it on a daily basis, we will be ready for the big decisions because we will have already learned our shepherd's voice because we practice it every single day. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. And I and the father are one. Brother Lawrence wrote a little tiny book, says Practicing the Presence of God. I would suggest every Christian read that book. But I love that he says this. He says, there is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of continual conversation with God. There is nothing more sweet, more delightful than that of continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice it and experience it. And I would add, daily. Guys, there are so many voices vying for your attention. There's so many things trying to get you to say, this is important, this is important. And God is back there saying, I love you, I have a plan, I have a purpose for you. I want you to know me, I want you to know my voice. And if you do that, it doesn't matter what the world throws at you, it doesn't matter the circumstances or the turmoil or the craziness or the storms, you will be able to understand, comprehend, and discern that voice. And when you can do that, you are never alone. Was that Jesus' promise? I'm going to send you everywhere, but I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The greatest gift we received was the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, where God himself, his spirit, dwells in us. And everywhere we go, he is there with us. And all we have to do is learn to listen. Learn to listen. Hear that voice. And I promise you, you can face everything. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. I'm not telling you you're not going to face tragedy. We live in a broken, battered world. And it is all around us. And we are going to face it. For me, I'd rather face it hearing God's voice saying, I got this. I already knew about this. I already have a plan for it. I'll walk you through it. But we only get there if we start hearing from God. What's blocking your hearing now? Is there something? Is there something that you need to deal with today? Is there something you got to get rid of that's blocking that communication? Let's get rid of it. Let's get the wax out of our ears, whatever that is. And let's start hearing God on a daily basis. Let's pray.